Hello and welcome to this special episode of the We Are CCA podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jake Ramsey, always joined by my wonderful co-host, Ian. Say hello, Ian. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. We have another special episode to talk about careers today. It's going to be a little bit of a different uh, spin on it. Uh, we're going to be talking about talking about careers, which is kind of cool. So we're not going to be actually talking about um, a career specifically, but we're going to be talking about how to have these conversations, what what to talk about or things to consider uh, as you move forward in your career exploration journey and factors to consider as you, as you decide what you want to pursue um, beyond high school. To help us do that, we have a very special guest. We're going to let him introduce himself here in a second, but he comes from the PA Chamber of Commerce and uh, very excited to have him on. A lot of great experience. And uh, Alan, if you want to introduce yourself to the group, go ahead. Thanks, Jake. Hi, I'm Alan Norton. I'm the Workforce Development Executive with the Pennsylvania Chamber of Business and Industry. And thank you guys for having me on today. So Alan, can you tell us a little bit about what you do with your role at the Chamber? Sure. Uh, there's quite a few prongs to it. Um, first, I'm actually out there creating awareness of just how awesome Pennsylvania is for opportunity um, among the state's youth um, and also helping them learn that there's more than one path to a good career. Um, you know, there's there's multiple on and off ramps to career pathways um, and helping them understand how the job market's changing and how the industrial revolution is going to affect their their choices moving forward. Um, and then we're also working to create uh, business and education and private public partnerships to uh, decrease the skills and opportunity gap that's out there. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on and, and you know, sharing some of your knowledge and information with our students and families. Really appreciate that. Um, I guess best place to start maybe would be, can you talk a little bit about some of the trends that we're seeing uh, in Pennsylvania currently, industries that are on the rise, uh, opportunities maybe that are on the rise, and things that are maybe phasing out or, you know, not really going to be a factor in the next 10 years? You know, that's a, that's a great question. Um, the, one, the one most important thing is this isn't our first industrial revolution. Uh, we've gone through these before, and every time this happens, we do shed some jobs, but we gain more new jobs, um, and that's what's happening now. Um, the, the latest statistics I've read is in the next two years, we'll shed about 75 million repetitive or entry-level jobs to automation, but we're going to create 133 million new middle-skilled technical jobs to replace them. Um, so kind of an interesting, interesting place we're in right now with how fast technology is advancing the, the, the changing job market. Um, really more than anything, I would say if, if the job you're interested in is something that could be done easily by a computer or robot or an automated system, probably safe to bet that job's going to be gone in a few years. <laughs> I actually, um, my first career path, uh, when I was in high school, all I wanted was to be a radio disc jockey. And uh, when I started working in radio circa 1993, I was there when they started installing this computer system into the station. And at the time, I didn't know what the internet was. I didn't know that online was a thing. Uh, but that's what it was. They were putting an online feed into the radio station, and this was going to become a syndicated radio station. I think it was based in Georgia. And they actually 
multiple stations across the country. Um, so I said, oh, that's the future of my job. It's going to be automated someday. I went for another career path. But now we're starting to see that in, in a lot of career pathways. Which is kind of scary when you think about like manufacturing. And I think the manufacturing industry as a whole right now, especially in Pennsylvania, is dying for people. But I mean, if I was a, you know, a student or a parent, I would kind of go, no, I don't know about manufacturing. How do you, I mean, if you want to do manufacturing, if you like working with your hands, how do you get into manufacturing safely with knowing, that you, you know, with no, being able to know that you have the skills to weather that automation component? That's a great question. And actually, Pennsylvania ranks eighth in manufacturing nationwide. So, um, we're a strong manufacturing base here, and whether you're in an urban area, a rural area, a suburban area, there's probably a number of manufacturers near you who are looking for help, um, and they pay very well. Actually, one of the stories I tell when I talk to, to students uh, is about a young lady named Jess who went to the community college I worked at. She did a mechatronics degree. Um, mechatron- I didn't even know what mechatronics was until nine years ago. I thought they were building transformers downstairs. Um, but I think part of the issue is, you know, the world of, of career tech ed that, that I grew up in and most parents grew up in is different than the world of career tech ed now. The factory jobs, which were entry-level manufacturing and factory jobs that my grandparents and, and parents had um, aren't the same as they are today. So I think you know, you you don't know what you don't know. And if that's all you've been exposed to is, oh, that's dirty, that's dangerous, then you don't realize today some of these manufacturing facilities are cleaner than some of the office spaces I've been in. Um, and because automation has taken hold and there's a lot of automated systems, well, now we need people who can keep those systems up and running when they break down, um, who can do that reprogramming so that when it's time to do a new task, uh, it can be bro- programmed to do a new task. Um, so those those mechatronics engineers um, keep the manufacturing facilities running by keeping the machines moving. Um, and think about all the manufacturing that's done here in Pennsylvania. So Jess, I started to tell her story. When she graduated from the community college, she came back all excited because the hiring manager where she went to work, she went to work for one of the snack food companies down in Hanover, said, because you only have college experience, we can only pay you $24 an hour to start. Only $24 an hour without any experience. Wow. And they have overtime. So if she works on a Sunday, she gets double time. So she makes 48 bucks an hour every Sunday that she works. How many college degrees can guarantee you that you're going to make $24 an hour when you graduate? Very few that I've heard of. <laughs> yeah. Um, and because of the shortage of folks with these skills, there's there's a number of overtime opportunities. And it's not unusual to hear people, hey, with some overtime every week, I'm making six figures at 19, 20 years old. And it's just going to go up from there as you get. And, and here's my idea. Parents can't wait for their kids to move out. You know what? Stop sending them to four-year school without a goal. Send them to their local community college or CTE school. When they're 19 or 20, they'll make enough money to move out of your house. <laughs> and you brought up industrial revolution. Um, I think it's probably important to maybe talk a little bit about what you mean by that um, mm-hmm. and sort of what that's doing within our industry and economy uh, nationally. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so jobs that can be automated. Uh, well, think about in previous uh, revolutions, um, you know, there was a time when seamstress was a major career pathway. You, you had a number of seamstresses and then along came sewing machines and wow, a sewing machine can do the same thing as a seamstress a whole lot faster and a whole lot more efficiently. Um, so now we didn't have a needs for seamstress anymore, but we needed people who could work the sewing machines. Um, so that's kind of what's happening now. Um, actually, last summer I saw they actually have automated umpires now for baseball games. Um, so it's a robot that watches the batter's box and watches the plays on the field. Um, they actually uh, did a contest, took a real ump and an automated ump and had them compete. Um, the real ump only missed one call. <laughs> but again, if I'm a CEO and I can have that job done by a computer rather than paying someone a salary every year, health benefits every year, it's cheaper to just buy the computer. And, you know, then now I might need people who can fix that computer when it needs fixed or upgrade it when it needs upgraded. Um, so, yeah, it's just the normal flow of our economy. Um, I, I watched a TED talk last summer and the, I can't remember who it was, but he said something, something fascinating. He said, those of you like my age, your age, who grew up watching the Jetsons, that was the future. The Jetsons was the future. Now your kids watch the Jetsons. That's the past. It's already happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's yeah. That's an interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. So there are, I think there's like 33 careers that you guys have identified um, that are kind of in demand right now. Can you kind of go over maybe some of those and what maybe just made you decide that those were kind of in demand right now? And Sure. And so every year, um, Pennsylvania's Labor and Industry, uh, Department of Labor and Industry puts out an in-demand occupations list. And so what we do is we comb through that list and we look at not which jobs have the highest percentage of growth, but which jobs have the most number of job openings expected for the year. And we find what are the top 33. And then we actually post those out on our Start the Conversation Here website. Um, and actually, what's interesting now that uh, our kids are home from, from school, schooling virtually during the pandemic, um, two of the jobs that are on there are elementary teacher and secondary teacher. Um, there is a short, I'm seeing that now with my kids' virtual schooling, it's hard for them to find substitute teachers right now uh, to fill in when teachers are sick. Um, so there is a, there's a need for secondary school teachers. Um, that's a career that requires a four-year degree and recommend that you have a master's. Um, mechanical engineers, civil engineers, uh, but there's also a number of jobs on there that don't require a four-year degree. Uh, many you can do with an apprenticeship or by attending CTE or community college program. Um, the top four are actually all health careers. Um, and it makes sense because there's currently, if you look at all the healthcare openings in America, from CNA and medical assistant all the way up to ophthalmologist, physical therapist, you know, neurosurgeon, um, and you take the kids who are currently in a CTE program, a community college or a college for some sort of healthcare practice when they graduate, um, there's still a gap. 
there's still 1.2 million job openings for which we don't have 1.2 million students in the pipeline. So it kind of makes sense that the top four most in-demand jobs are in the healthcare arena. And then I think number five is application programmer, so a, a computer coding skill. Um, and number six is truck driver. Can I, can I ask, a, and this may be a dumb question, but why, why, use the, why use that statistic, like the total number of positions available and not the percentage of growth? Because if you, okay, let's say you have 500 people in the, working in this job now and you're going to experience 100% growth in the next six years. So you need 500 more people. Whereas if you have... 5,000 people who are currently doing this job, but you're going to have 50% growth. growth. <laughs> you need 500. Gotcha. So there's going to be a thousand openings versus 500 openings. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I just was, I was curious. But, yeah. I, I why why that? that? You know, some careers are great percentage, but they're at like, you know, there's 20 jobs available in Pennsylvania. And I'm like, exactly. Yeah. I mean, 20% growth, but there's only 20 jobs. <laughs> so mm -hmm. is that really the direction you want to go into? You know, um, what does go into, what is good? Like when you're thinking about what sort of career, you're, you know, you're in maybe ninth, 10th, 11th grade, and you're like, what am I going to do? And we're asking those questions to our students right now. What should the students be really thinking about? Like what is the priority or in your opinion, you know, being on the business end of things? Um, the priorities for like what, you know, if you're looking at a career, what should you look at? Yeah, well, I think more than anything, um, you know, and I grew up thinking this way, I'm sure you guys did, and, and I still see kids thinking this way. Your, your career is in an endpoint. Um, oftentimes, you know, we talk to kids as if, you know, I want to be a nurse or I want to be a police officer, um, you know, and that's the endpoint. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the endpoint. There's progressions from there, pathways from there. You know, uh, if if I graduate as a nurse, that doesn't have to be the end point. Maybe now I want to go on and get my master's and become a nurse anesthetist or a nurse practitioner. Um, maybe I want to become the director of nursing at the hospital um, and oversee the other nursing departments or manage a specific department. So understanding that just, you know, there's there's other options and pathways beyond that. You know, don't just think of it as an endpoint, but a journey. Mm -hmm. So instead of, so I'm wondering here if maybe, you know, if students should, I mean, because there's some careers in here, I'm looking at like, you know, nursing assistant or medical assistant. I mean, that, that would not be your endpoint, but that is definitely a job. If you wanted to get a job and start working and get work experience, because a lot of employers, you know, don't want a oh, blank yeah. resume. They want skills. They want you to have like to done something or at least demonstrated that you'll show up to work on time. Mm -hmm. Would you instead of looking at like maybe what your endpoint might be, or maybe not be forget that like career, like maybe look at the pathway and kind of go, okay, how can I start developing those skills? You maybe you get in there, you know, go get your certification, become a certified nursing assistant, and then while you're doing that, go get your RN, and then kind of move up from there. Does that make sense, or am I? You Actually, Ian, you touched on two really key points there. One, you talked about the uh, what we call employability skills. Um, our surveys, our employer uh, economic surveys the past two years, when you look at the skill shortage in PA, 
employers struggle more with finding folks with the right soft skills or employability skills than technical skills. Um, in our most recent economic survey, it was 52% of employers who cited soft skills as an issue versus only 39% who cited technical skills. And the thing I've heard from a number of businesses uh, over the past year and a half is, hey, give me someone that shows up on time, that doesn't have to be told, put your cell phone away every half hour, uh, and, and doesn't quit right at quitting time, you know, every day. Um, mm-hmm until the job's done, give me someone with those soft skills. I'll teach them how to do the, use the equipment. I'll teach them how to do these technical things. Um, so the soft skill development is so important. That's what's going to, that's what employers struggle the most with. Um, but the other thing you hit on there that, that was key um, is, like you mentioned, medical assisting or CNA. Um, you, it's important students realize there's people out there who want to invest in you and your education. Um, so I'll harken back to my days as a community college rep. Uh, we had a young lady who was a student worker in our office. She was a medical assisting student. Um, our medical assistant program was 10 to seven, five days a week. Couldn't really work while you're going to school in that program. And it's only a year. After a year, you're off, you're working as a medical assistant. Well, she knew once she went to work as a medical assistant at whichever healthcare company, they pretty much all pay 75% tuition reimbursement. So she knew her end goal was to become an RN. So now wherever she's working, they're going to be paying her a decent salary as a medical assistant and paying for her to go to school um, or paying for the bulk of that cost at least. So in another two or three years when she finishes that associate's degree and becomes an RN, now that same company that just invested that money in her becoming an RN is going to have to give her a raise (laughs) and and give her a a bigger job title. Um, And then from there, if she decides, hey, I want to become the director of nursing or I want to become a nurse anesthetist, now I've got to go a little further in my education and this hospital or health system is going to continue to pay for that to invest in me. And then when I reach that end point, Hey, they're going to give me a raise. So, you know, rather than me graduating, if I'm a student right now, I'm looking at instead of me going to uh, college and paying for myself, who's going to pay for it for me. Um, and since we're on the subject, trucking is another area. Two years ago, if you told me you wanted to be a trucker, I would have given you a list of schools and said, here, these are the places around here you can lean or be a trucker. It takes five or six weeks, boom. Now, just about anyone who wants to be a trucker can find a company that will pay for it for them. Um, and then guess what? You have a two-year job commitment after that. You don't have to worry about being unemployed for two years because that company that invested in you is going to want your skills for those two years after you graduate. Yeah, Alan, we actually met with, we actually did a podcast a couple episodes ago with Pitt, Ohio, uh, and a recruitment a recruitment specialist there, and they talked about their professional driver's apprenticeship program, and they were starting people at like 17 an hour, uh, just, you know, learning how to, you know, work the dock, and then, you know, eventually working their way up to where they're driving, um, you know, driving the big rigs, and they were paying for you every step of the way. You were, this was a job. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you were you know, you were learning through job experience and, and you were being paid to do it. It wasn't you taking out a loan and going to school and then trying to find a job afterwards. It was, we're going to teach you how to do it. And then we're going to have you do it once you've, once the training's done. Yeah. Uh, and so there are a lot of, 
you know, there are a lot of businesses that will pay and invest in their employees in their education to further them along. I mean, CCA is one of them. Uh, you know, we have a tuition reimbursement program as well, um, you know, to help teachers advance themselves in their careers uh, or other staff. Um, and, you know, that, that, whole, that whole idea of, well, I, I'm going to graduate high school, I'm going to go to a four-year college, and then I'm going to get a job. And then I might go back, I might go to my, get my master's degree too, and then I'll, then I'll get a job. That it's, it's kind of, that's kind of a dated way of thinking, is it not? It's, you know, I'm glad to hear you say that because that's, that's become my, my mantra is, you know, figure out your career path first and then what do you need to get there? And, and when I talk to students now, um, when I go into classrooms and do presentations, um, I tell them when I was growing up and you guys probably grew up in the same, in the same era, um, I can't remember too many times that anyone ever asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I can remember a whole bunch of times people asked me where I was going to college. Yeah. It was kind of the mark of success was where are you going to college? Where are you going to college? Where are you going to college? Didn't matter what you wanted to be. Um, didn't matter if you wanted to be a landscaper for the rest of your life, you had to go to college. Um, and at that time in that era, it made, made sense because there were more jobs than people to fill the jobs. So that was a way that companies used to, kind of fill their ranks was a bachelor's degree. Um, well, now there's more jobs in America than people to fill them. Um, and so companies are getting smarter about hiring for skills rather than necessarily a degree. Um, so yeah, so it is kind of outdated. I actually, I gave a speech a couple of weeks ago uh, and, and I said just that, you know, we're in a different era, we're in a different economy. Uh, why do we still teach people the same way we did even 10 years ago? Why do we still hire people the same way we did even five years ago? Mm-hmm. So when you're, when you're talking with, with students and, and kids about, you know, choosing a career path, I mean, other than the sort of the traditional, what do you like and what do you want to do um, that sort of match those interests? What are some of the other factors that you try to have them consider when going through this sort of career exploration process? That's a great question. Um, I think more than anything, the first thing is awareness. Um, So many students don't realize what jobs are out there today. Um, And I think a lot of that is because of us as parents and even educators who are in the classroom, um, you know, we don't get outside and we don't get exposed to how the job market's changing and how technology is driving that change. So being aware that the job market today is probably a lot different than what you think. Um, As an example, and you guys will be aware of this, but but the general public might not be. Um, Back in June, so right at the height of the pandemic, Pittsburgh had the highest number of tech job openings of anywhere in the country, Um, technology job openings right there in Western PA. Um, And a lot of it is, is IT support jobs, computer networking, cybersecurity, um, manufacturing. Um, so, and again, that kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier, you know, the world I grew up in, if you worked in manufacturing, it was dirty, it was dangerous. Um, now the world of manufacturing is a lot different. There's a lot of robots and automation systems. Everything's run by computer. Uh, so we need more tech folks who can keep those systems running smoothly. Um, I was joking, uh, with a CNC machinist lately, 
Um, you know, CNC machine is really cool. Basically, you're a computer programmer and you program the computer to make the cuts the right way so that when the product is done being made, it looks how it should, it measures how it should. Um, but you could go to work as a CNC machinist in business casual clothes. And, and one of the guys was joking with me at the facility. There's guys in their 70s who still work there and won't retire because they pay me this for a job that's not that difficult, you know, like I can dress, um, it's not dangerous. Um, certainly it takes some critical thinking and math skills, but um, you know, there's a lot harder ways to make that kind of money. So uh, just obviously being aware of, of sort of the changes and um, maybe anticipating some of the things that are coming in the future. I think uh, I heard a statistic, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 40 there, you know, of the students who are graduating today, 40% of those students will be working in jobs that don't exist currently right now um, in 10 years. So, you know, it, it's always changing. We have to be adaptable. Um, so, so awareness being one, what are some of the other things that you, you know, factor into that conversation? Um, we talked about the, the employability skills already. Those are, things you can't automate, um, those human, those things that make us human, the empathy, the, the ability to communicate professionally, to write professionally. Um, those, we, we call them transferable skills because, you know, if my job goes away, um, you know, I've still got these skills that can be used by someone else and someone else will want to pay me for, and they might have to upskill me in some other areas. Um, but I have those foundational skills they need for me to be successful. Um, right now, one of our conversations is around, especially the hospitality industry. There's a wealth of people who hopefully eventually they'll be able to get back to work, but for the immediate and near future, the job's not coming back. Um, you know, we just don't have enough demand in the world of hospitality right now during a pandemic. So I think about housekeepers, you know, my wife used to manage a hotel, um, even though that's a minimum wage job, think about what housekeepers do. They show up early in the morning, talk about punctuality. They don't quit till the job is done. There's no end time. It's when the job is done. They have a keen attention to detail because of you know the individual rooms they're cleaning. So even though they might not have certain skills to do another job, they've got those employability and they've proven those employability skills. You know, if someone has worked at, at a hotel for five years as a housekeeper, that's someone I'm willing to take under. If I was a CEO, I'd hire them and teach them how to use the equipment because I know they're going to show up to work every day. I know they're going to work hard. Um, they've already got that proven track record of it. Mm -hmm. Those are things employers can't teach you. You can't teach that stuff. You can't. You cannot teach that. <laughs> no. I'm wondering, are there resources out there for like – you know, somebody who's interested in getting a following kind of that career path, did they have, are those laid out somewhere? You know, what, that's a good question. There's a lot of resources out there now. Um, of course, ONET is a great resource. Uh, ONETonline.org, I think it is. Um, and uh, there's a, a lot of wealth of information on different career pathways there. Um, PA Career Zone, which is our Department of Ed's Career Zone. What I like about theirs is they actually have videos to go along with the, the job. So if you want to learn like what's a, what's a mortician do, you can go on there and watch a video about 
you know, mortuary sciences and what their day-to-day looks like. Um, If I want to know what an electrician does, um, anything that's, that's skilled. I like to think of it this way. Uh, As a homeowner, you know, there's a lot of homeowners across the country. Most of us don't know how our plumbing works, how our electrical works. Um, So we're going to need to hire people occasionally to do those jobs for us. So anything that's a skill, um, that's a safe bet because it's going to be hard to automate electrician and plumbers because of the nuances of those jobs. Um, And you can make really good money doing that without the need for, for going to college and spending all that debt. Um, and then, of course, our website, startconversationhere.com, um, has a great career calculator, has the occupations page. Um, we do a workforce spotlight each week, which highlights uh, an education provider. We actually did one on CCA a few weeks ago. Can, uh, so you brought up the career calculator. Can you talk a little bit about that and what it is? Sure. Um, actually, Fast forward to before my time at the chamber, when I worked, I worked for almost seven years as a recruiter at the local community college. And uh, what I would do is I would go into classrooms and I would show kids to to help overcome that. For some reason, there's this stigma associated with community colleges. I don't understand it, but it's there. Um, So I would show kids, for example, like, look, here's a kid who comes to our community college, does an HVAC program, does mechatronics, does, you know, and the total investment is going to be about $12,000. $12,000. And then they're going to come out year two or year three and make 50 grand a year or more. Um, and then I would show them, okay, student B goes to four year school at 25 grand a year. And that's the inexpensive choice um, for four years. Now they're going to come out year five and make why. And then I would show the kids, you know, this is why more than one option is, is, is important because this option may end up just leading to a path of debt whereas this option may lead you right to a, a profitable future. Um, so really it was designed to get kids thinking about your college is your first big investment. You want to ensure whatever post-secondary decision you make, college, community college, trade school, apprenticeship, that um, you'll earn that investment back quickly. Um, you know, if I can go to a community college for two years and then a state school, or I could go to a private school that costs as much of all four year, those years in one, uh, what's the point of going to the more expensive private school if they're both going to get me out at the same point? Um, one's just going to leave me with more debt. Um, the, other, the other part of it was to showcase entry-level salaries. Um, so basically the way it works, students will go in, they'll choose a career path, they'll choose a PA school, and then when they calculate it, it shows them how long they have to work to earn back that specific college investment Um, It gives them a snapshot of what their monthly income will look like and what their monthly student loan debt will look like. Um, And it really, I've been proud. Kids, uh, this year so far when I've been presenting it, um, the students have been really uh, engaged um, and it's really gotten them thinking about and talking about, um, well, why am I choosing this college or this career instead of that one? Um, You know, and hopefully it's driving that conversation forward. But really, yeah, it's designed to help Um, Look, the truth is, right now, uh, according to the National Center for Education Statistics and Burning Glass, for every 100 students we send off to traditional four-year university, only 59 actually graduate, 41 drop out, 
of the 59 who graduate, only 33 actually go on to use their degree or make a salary commensurate with the degree. Um, the other 25 end up working in a field that they could have started right out of high school. They didn't even need to go to college for. Um, so we could do better. You know, those 25 kids that end up working in a job that they didn't need the degree for, why'd they take all that time and debt just to end up working somewhere they could have, you know, at age 18? Um, maybe there was a better option. Um, and for the 41 who drop out, there's a better way. You know, there's other alternatives. Um, college isn't for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I know that's something that, I mean, I know that we've, Ian and I have met with over 100 students now this year. And I know just from one of the things that, that I talk about with some of the kids is, you know, consider the financial options and the financial consequences of uh, picking a career that requires a certain path and what that, you know, what the choices along the way, like community college or some other things that might um, lessen sort of the financial consequences of, of choosing a particular college or whatever to, to go into um, just for quote unquote, the college experience. Um, yes. You know, college is wonderful. And I, I, I look back on the time that I spent in school and I had a, I had a great time. I look at that payment I make every month to my college loans, or I used to, I'm done. I've, I've finally paid them off now. Good for you, Jake. <laughs> yeah, I'm, but I'm 30, I'm 37. So I've been carrying a debt with me since I graduated at 22. And that's a long time to carry a debt and have a financial, a, a financial responsibility to pay it back because you can't be forgiven for it. It's the only loan that you cannot, you know, be forgiven on. And um, it's, it's, I think it's, I think college choices and those types of things are much more a financial decision these days than maybe what was considered in the past. But I, I think, I know it's something that I talk about with my wife and my kids, you know, what makes sense financially um, and not necessarily, you know, picking a college based on the atmosphere or experience that you're going to have. Um, it's college is much more, should, I, it, you know, I think if you think about it much more like a tool uh, or an opportunity to develop your toolbox and to be prepared to move on and do it that way, it's not necessarily going to be critical that you go to your dream school for four years. Um, it, it just may be, it, that might be part of it, but it, it, it might not be for everybody. Yeah, it's, it's, like I said, that's one of the reasons we need to ask the question first, what do you want to do for a career? And then how do you get there? Because as you'll see on that occupations page, if you want to be a teacher, you got to go get a bachelor's degree. But maybe instead of going to a school that costs 60 or 70 grand a year, you can go to a school that costs 15 grand a year, you know, because coming out as a teacher, you know what you're going to make and you know what you can afford. Uh, so based on knowing what that salary is going to look like, why would you choose the more expensive option? Um, same thing. We need cyber. We ended 2019 with almost half a million open cybersecurity jobs in Penn, in, in, not Penn, in the country. Um, so we have a, a need for folks with those skills and that requires a bachelor's degree. But again, it's how do I, what do I need to do to get there? If it's bachelor's degree, great. Okay. Like you said, Jake, what's the most financially sensible way to get there? Um, actually, I had a great conversation speaking of, of jobs that are in demand um, with one of our electric companies earlier this morning. 
Um, they're trying to figure out how to hire more linemen. They have a lineman training program. Um, when you finish that program, you will make $70,000 a year with this company. It takes one year, costs about $6,000. You will make 70 grand when you graduate. <laughs> so at 19 years old, for about a $6,000 investment, you mm -hmm. could be 70 grand as a lineman. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> are are there is there like a that. no but is there is there a um is there a database nationally or within the state that has some of those opportunity like um have those types of opportunities outlined to students i mean how many i don't i didn't know of that i didn't know that that was a thing uh and you know we've been talking with students all school year so far and maybe that would be an option to throw out there to students. Is there a database or, or something somewhere that where students can find this info about? You know what, uh, like this? I'm, I'm not familiar with a, a national database. Um, I've used some of the, the government provided websites like BLS and ONET that we talked about, mm -hmm. um, but I'm not familiar with the national database. Um, that is, I actually did make an intro already to Amanda. Yeah. So, um, you guys will be on their radar soon. <laughs> okay, good, good. Yeah, that's yeah. a great, and, and, you know, think about it. I've seen linemen, even as a kid, I used to see them up there, but I never thought about it as a career. Um, you know, and our parents all work places that, that have a variety of jobs. Um, you know, I was thinking about that this morning, uh, as a kid, I might think a law firm is all just lawyers. Well, they're a law firm, so that's what they do, but they still need administrative assistance. They still need IT professionals to keep their networks up and running. They still need human resources uh, to do their recruiting and their employee benefits. Um, they still need marketing uh, and sales. Um, so even though it's a law firm, there's still a number of other jobs within that organization. So I think that's another part of it is making sure students understand there's a wealth of opportunities within these different organizations just because they're the electric company doesn't mean it's all a bunch of electricians. <laughs> right. So almost kind of, you know, almost advising, you know, find where you want to work or who you want to work for. And, you know, since the a lot, most employers will, you know, compensate you for education. I mean, you could come in, get that entry level job and then make, have the company pay for that bachelor's degree you know, that certification or, you know, the master's degree as you grow with the company. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Alan, I really appreciate you coming in and, uh, you know, being a guest today, kind of sharing some of the information and wealth and knowledge that you have and experience that you've, you know, had over the years with having these conversations with students and with kids and, just sort of your overall knowledge of the industries in PA and sort of trends that you're seeing. And um, we'll probably have to have you back for part two. I, I have, I have questions. I have more questions than, than I have answers right now, but that's okay. <laughs> it's uh, easy to go down the rabbit hole when we talk about well, workforce, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, with what Ian and I do here at CCA as career facilitation coordinators, you know, we have these conversations with students and I want to make sure that when I'm talking with a student that we're having authentic and honest conversations about careers because um, you, you, you want students to make informed decisions. And, and in order to make informed decisions, you gotta, you gotta give them, give them the truth and, and be honest with them and um, deliver it in a way that's authentic and meaningful to them. 
And uh, I think it's important to, uh, you know, especially when you're talking about something that's going to impact you for much longer than what you are in school, quote unquote, you know, your, your work life is a lot longer in years than it is, than your schooling is. Um, I think it's important to make informed decisions about what you're going to do. Um, because you, you know, we know that people, you know, job satisfaction is a big, is a big determining factor of stress, like, you know, just general life stress and, um, you know, feeling, feeling valued within your community and, and feeling like you're making a difference and having an impact and connection with the, the world in general. So I think it's important. Um, I really appreciate you coming in. Um, where, if, if, if people want to go and see what, you know, what information is available through the PA Chamber of Commerce, where, where can they go? What information might they find there? So, uh, of course, the startthconversationhere.com is our workforce-focused site. Um, that's where we have tools and resources to help folks connect the dots with career pathways. Um, and then pachamber.org is the PA Chamber site. Um, that's where you can learn about uh, our advocacy efforts on, on the Hill here in Harrisburg, um, what events the Chamber is hosting, um, you can learn about who our members are. Uh, our investor membership is listed there. Um, but yeah, we have, Pennsylvania is a, a great place to be. Uh, I was one of those students who grew up thinking that I, I just can't wait to get out of here. Uh, but I'm aware of the opportunities. Um, and, and now that I'm back and have been for 15 years now, I think, uh, there really is a wealth of opportunity here in PA. And hopefully, if nothing else, we've got your students thinking about where in PA do I want to stay? <laughs> right. And as you said at the beginning, you know, this, the industry changes <laughs> and is changing. So, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll have you back for um, the Alan Norton update <laughs> where we are in Pennsylvania now. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Ian. I appreciate it. Yeah, Thank thanks, you. Alan. I appreciate it. Have a great one, everybody. If you want to learn more, make sure check out the links in the uh, podcast description. We'll include everything that Alan was talking about. Uh, we'll have some links in there. We'll also have some links uh, potentially to our, our bookings page for your career consultations. We'll include that as well. Um, Alan, thank you so much. And everybody, remember that we are CCA.